If you were to consider right now the kind of divisions you are faced with, whether it's at home or in your church, why is that? Why do they continue to grow and cause problems in our lives? And what do we do about it? On today's podcast, we're going to be looking at exactly that as Paul addresses division in the Corinthians church. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and let's get into it. my friends, welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you as always. Blessed to be with you guys as we continue our study here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where we're going to be discussing in verses 10 through 17, stopping divisions in the church. Now to bring you up to speed, if you've missed the previous one, you can always check it out wherever you get your podcasts that are available on any platform. And while you're there, do me a great, uh, huge favor if you will, and it means so much to us here on the podcast and me personally, if you would leave us a review, let people know how this podcast is blessing you and encouraging you as we go verse by verse in chronological order currently right now in the New Testament. And there's other books. If you are new to the podcast, we've gone through Gospels, the book of Acts, James, Galatians, and now we are, are sitting here in First Corinthians after we dealt with First and Second Thessalonians. So uh, it's my privilege to be uh, able to do this uh, on a weekly basis. And just to give you guys a heads up, I'll be on vacation. So I will not be dropping an episode next week if you're listening to this. And so with that being said, let me just bring you up to speed where we left things off about God sustaining you. And this is important in context. Remember, this is this is Paul the Apostle who is being uh, you know, addressed by the Holy Spirit, being inspired and directed by the Holy Spirit. And so, and with his personal experience as an apostle, he's seeing things the way that they are. And he's seeing how things need to change. And so what we see here now with the, the Corinthian church is following the will of God. And he, he mentions in the beginning his brother Sothenes. And we, we saw that this guy was a, a synagogue ruler and he came to Christ and he's being persecuted for his faith. We saw that in Acts 8, 17. And then we, we, we talked about how Paul refers to them as the sanctified, the saints, the holy ones, people who are made holy. Hageazo, that, that the word that we have for holy. So we are the holy ones. And then we, we, we really address this beautiful prayer from verses five and following, really up to verse nine, where you see Paul talking about that God will give you the gifts that you will not lack anything until his return. He calls it the, the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse seven, but that he will sustain you until the end. That word steadfast is to preserve you from falling away and that you be blameless until the day of Christ or guileless, irreproachable, living for him. And this is reflective of Philippians chapter one, verse six, as we saw that he said that he will begin, he who began a good work in you will complete into the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, and, and so what we see here now as God is faithful and he's directing us and he will sustain us when you get into divisions now it makes sense what Paul was saying. Because as I said in the opening, if you look at our lives, each and every one of us, especially if you've lived past, you know, 40 years, 
you have some, you know, more skin in the game, right? You, you have more experience. You've been around the block a couple of times. Maybe you've been married for going on 20 or over 20 years, like me and my wife. And we have two adults now as I'm recording this and one in one in high school, one in middle school and, you know, married for quite some time. Now we're over about half my life. I've been, I've been with my wife, even if you count the years we were dating. So over half of my life I've been with her. And, and so you, you hope and pray that you, you have good experience, um, being married and you can give some good godly advice and that's what Paul's doing. Paul's saying to them, God is faithful. And he has called you into the fellowship of his son. And so when you when you are in the fellowship of his son, you will, guess what? You will interact with his people. We will have fellowship with people in the body of Christ. But there's going to be divisions. And when they come, he's going to teach us how we are to respond. So if God will sustain us to the end that we are to remain blameless and irreproachable, guileless, that we are sanctified, that we're holy ones. We are to be cautious and careful in how we interact with people. Now, let me just say this because this, I, I get this a lot. And in my other passages that we've talked about, particularly when you look uh, with the conflict of Paul in Galatians chapter one, that he had uh, with Peter going into chapter two, of Galatians, and then when we were talking about some of the conflict and the freeloaders that we addressed in First Thessalonians chapter four and five, and then Second Thessalonians three, um, you know, so you can take a look at that. But he, you know, it's important for us to point out that when we talk about divisions, we're not saying that you know, obviously, God doesn't honor when you are causing turmoil. Uh, when you are a, a backstabber, when you are um, somebody who is gossiping. Uh, when you're betraying the trust of another, the false witness, okay? When you're stirring things up, stirring things into flames, causing destruction. Uh, when there's animosity and jealousy and enmity between you and another, you know, backbiting to the reviling level, right? That's all sinful. We know this. Look at Colossians 3. So that clearly, as we're going to look at the scripture here, we'll see how that's been the case with many of the Corinthians, but this does not mean that you are to receive and accept every type of behavior in, quote, the fellowship of God. Because there are people who, guess what, are immature and they will use you, they will take advantage of you, and, and, and yet they are a Christian. That does not mean that you are to befriend them and that you're to accept their behavior across the board. And just constantly turn the other cheek and just say, well, I'm just, I'm supposed to, I'm not, I'm not going to cause division. No, you can confront somebody. And over time, if they don't change that behavior and they say they love you, but you've lost trust in them because they've been vindictive and manipulative, then you are to pull away from that person. We would say in modern days today, that person's toxic and they're not healthy to be around. Okay. So, so when we're talking about stopping division in the church, in many cases, that's what we're supposed to do. This isn't just overlooking the wrongs of people because we're not to divide over uh, issues in the church. No, we can have disagreements and we are called to admonish and confront people. And you know what? If they choose not to hear you and you in all 
God's purposes with grace, with pure, with pure intentions, say uh, in love to this person respectfully and in private, hey, you got to get your act together. I'm not, I don't appreciate your tone, the way you talk to me, how you manipulate, take advantage, or how you treat me and my family, whatever. That's fine, okay? And you love the person, and you pray that they would see the error of their ways. But if they get defensive and they don't see it, okay, to, 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 to prevent further division, you need to pull away. And that's hard for a lot of people. But I stress it before we dive in this text because so many Christians don't do a thing about it. So as I say that now, let's look at scripture and let's understand what Paul's talking about in this second phase now in chapter one of 1 Corinthians. Notice the phrase he says here in verse 10, I appeal to you brothers, Okay. So there's great concern that Paul has. And he says, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind in the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, that's Peter, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided was paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of paul i thank god that i baptized none of you except crispus and gaius so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name i did baptize also the household of stephanus beyond that i do not know whether i baptized anyone else for christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom least the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. All right, so that's verses 10 through 17. So let's let's break this down as we look back in this appeal that Paul has in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, as we saw last time, this reference of Jesus Christ, our Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, repeatedly. Now he says, in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it, my friends. To prevent division, we come in the name of the Lord. We surrender to him. Paul addresses this concern over the division because what it's doing, we're going to see this all into chapter four, verse 21. It's plaguing the church. And, and what's happening here is the church is taking sides and they're debating over matters that have become contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And over time, it can get nasty. I guarantee with the amount of listeners we have around the world to this podcast, how many of us have gone through not just a scandal, but division and been disowned by a quote fellow brother or sister in Christ. So when he says, I appeal to you, he's strongly exhorting the church to unite. He's strongly encouraging them to live in harmony under the banner of Jesus Christ. Now this is again, this is the 10th time that Paul mentions Jesus Christ. So that literally means we're at, at verse 10 here. That means in every verse, basically in the opening, he's mentioning Jesus Christ. That's not by accident. When he uses this word agree, he, it, it carries the idea to think and to believe in, in the identical thing, like in, in the same way, okay? So one is Jesus Christ. We look to him, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? Our Lord and Savior, we surrender to him and we are a part of his body. Number two, we are to agree. We are to think and believe in the identical thing. 
We're to have the same mind. We're to be, as the Bible says elsewhere, we're to be like-minded. So in the ESV, it uses the word same mind. And then it has this word same judgment. So the thing here is, is that all of you agree that there be no divisions. He's saying we there should be nothing, as we agree, should be there should be nothing that caused dissensions over not just beliefs, but also convictions. And then he stresses again the third aspect, or I should say, excuse me, the fourth aspect. So so the, there's two positives, a negative, and then a positive with two emphasis, same mind and judgment. So the name of the Lord Jesus, agree, and the negative is not to have divisions, and then be united in the same mind in the same judgment. So to be of one mind, means we are to be guided by the same convictions. We are to work as a united front in pursuit of the same goals. So I ask you, when you you look at your family life and your marriage with anybody, we know that if we are not guided by the same convictions, if we're not working together and staying united, which takes effort, if we're not pursuing the same goals, I'm not saying in career, like, you know, I'm pursuing become a writer and so are you. And so we're like-minded, not saying that. You could be an engineer and you could be a dentist. That doesn't matter. The point is, it's in Christ. And then he says, it's been reported to me by Chloe's people. So here it seems that Paul had obviously received a a report from, from Chloe. And this is a woman who possibly lived in Corinth. And she's concerned, obviously, Chloe's people. Um, so she's probably a person of wealth or prestige, or maybe they had a uh, one of the home churches there and her husband and her are leaders. And they're concerned by the divisions that's growing among these Corinthians. Now, there are two additional passages, again, that's important for us to, to mention, where Paul says that he received other reports. So he says it here in verse 11 of the first chapter, and then he'll say it again in chapter 5, verse 11, and then chapter 11, verse 18. It says... Let me give you an example in verse uh, 18 and 19. He says, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So what's happening is, as he says here, that there's quarreling. And then he mentions it again later. They're literally coming together and there's rivalries. That's what the word quarreling means. It's rivalries of you have, again, these different faction groups, or we, you know, we're going to talk about it in a minute, these Patreons that they had of the, you know, the lower class look to the higher class. And so in the case maybe with Chloe, um, you know, maybe she was of higher class her and her husband. And so they're trying to, you know, bring peace and order and, and try to make disciples. And yet people are siding with them and Apollos. Remember, he just talked about that. We'll see that in a minute in verse 12. But these rivalries, get this, in the Greek, it carries the idea that they're producing arguments, discord, and also disunity. So they're gathering together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, to worship together as a body of believers, and yet they're fighting. Well, you and I know that's never going to work. If a family gets comes together, if a couple comes together and all they do is fight, all there is is just arguing and discord and disunity, uh, it's not going to be healthy for them. It's not going to be honorable to the Lord. And it's not going to be healthy for the kids. And sadly, and I know this as a pastor, I've seen many people sit across the desk for me and they had it. It's enough, enough. They're done. 
They're done arguing. They're done with the discord, the disunity, the disrespect, and they're done. And it's awful. And it's sad. And it's tragic. And I've also seen that in the church where there's been splits. People start off doing great. I just, you know, thinking right now, two pastors co-pastored for quite some time. And I, you know, I gently would ask them questions about their leadership style and them together. And they're just saying how wonderful it is. And people are saying the same thing. And they were just a nasty breakup between them. Split the church. And eventually it's over between that church. Because notice in verse 12, he says, what I mean is that each of you says, so he's getting specific. You guys are saying it, Paul, Apollos, Peter, Christ. Now, remember, if you go back, Paul founded the church. This is important. Okay, so let's let's put some context here. He founded the, the Corinthian church in Acts 18, verses 1 through 18. We talked about it last podcast. He mentions that in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, and 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, and 1 Corinthians 9, verse 2. And then Apollos came after Paul, right? And he left to teach the Corinthians in verses 6 through 9 of chapter 3. And then Peter, one of the most revered apostles, was well-known and well-liked in that region. We see this in chapter 3, verse 22, in chapter 9, verse 5, in chapter 15, verse 5. So this, it's interesting because the way that Paul sets it up, he says, I've heard this from Chloe's people. He says, and what I mean is that you guys are in these faction groups, the patrons, like you're saying, yeah, but Paul's smarter than Apollos because Paul's an apostle. And people are like, no, Peter is... He was closer to Jesus. I don't follow any of those people. I just follow Jesus Christ, right? You hear that a lot about people says, well, I just I just love Jesus. I'm all just about Jesus. And you're like, well, so am I, but we also need to be, you know, under leadership. So you have all these fraction these factions, and the way Paul uses this I am of, it's an anaphora, meaning it's a rhetorical repetition that introduces successive phrases that was common in Greco-Roman genre. So this is interesting because Paul's repetitive phrase, what he's doing is he's saying these party affiliations, right, that are that you guys are centering around based on certain uh, personalities and teachings. He's he's saying you guys are you're elevating these people, these party affiliations that you have, and and so then you're elevating these people and then you're affiliating through rhetorical competence among these different leaders. So that's what they're doing. There's, they are competing and comparing their party affiliation one to the other. And so one of the areas that we will see and that he mentions here, um, like, you know, well, were you, you, you baptized? Yes. Well, who baptized you? And they mentioned somebody other than Paul. Like, well, that's not legit then because a true apostle didn't baptize you. He started our church here. You know, and people are doing this and you think, oh my gosh, how ridiculous, but we do the same. We do the same thing. I can't tell you how many times people, like even just in my profession as a speaker writer, you know, people are like, well, what school did you go to? I'm like Southern Evangelical Seminary. And, oh, you know, Dr. Geisler, and, they, and they'll rip on uh, Dr. Geisler. Um, or, oh, you're not reformed. Uh, you know, and so they'll, and I'm like, look, you know, I'm not even arguing that I'm not even bringing it up, but you just, you're belittling me or you're, you're separating me or you're, or you're, you're basically trying to prove yourself better because you went somewhere else. And, and then, and that's the game that a lot of times people play. And we have to be careful when it comes to these party affiliations within the church. We do the same thing. You know, when someone says, oh, I read such and such book, or I'm listening to this podcast, like, why, why would you, you know, it's like, I, I listen to something better. I'm going to send it to you. 
that's what they were doing then. And we still do that. Now, obviously the, the, to the degree in the, in the Corinthian churches where they were quarreling. So they're, they're arguing and they're, they're majorly divided. I like what the expository's Bible commentary says. It says at Corinth, the four groups centered around four prominent leaders. First, there were those who claimed to be special adherents of Paul, possibly because of his emphasis on the ministry to the Gentiles, a ministry with which many of them were connected. Then there were those following Apollos, enamored of that learned and eloquent preacher from Alexandria, the followers of Cephas, Peter's Aramaic name. That's, you know, you see it in John 142 were no doubt impressed by this apostle's emphasis on the Jews. Possibly they connected him with the Judaizers. The mention of the Christ party suggests that some Corinthians claim special relationship to Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 7, or placed a special emphasis on him, an emphasis they felt the followers of Paul, Apollos, and Cephas had neglected or did not have, end quote. So again, we can see how this caused his division. But I like what Paul does here because he then poses a question in verse 13, is Christ divided? You know, Paul exposes the absurd nature of the divisions by pointing out that Christ, who is God, of course, is not divided. Christ was the one who was crucified for our sins. He was the one who died for the sins of mankind, not Paul, not Apollos, not Peter. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, when we are baptized, we're baptized in the name of who? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not in any other name. Acts 2.38, Acts 8.16, Acts 10.48, Acts 19.5. Those are great references that you can look them up to see. And that's when then Paul gets into this whole issues of, of baptism, uh, talking about how he baptized Crispus and Gaius and the household of Stephanus, and then he's like, I'm not sure if I baptize anybody else. Kind of like a... One of those moments where even I can reflect in all the years as a pastor, be like, man, I, I can't recall all the people I even married through the years, right? Which is sad, but it's true. And that's Paul's at the point says, I don't know whether I baptize anyone else. And what's interesting is that in the Greek culture, remember people, they, as I mentioned, they banded around patrons, patrons, uh, I should say. And so Paul, he wanted to avoid this at all costs. He knew that that's how the Greek culture was. And so they were bringing their culture into Christianity. Well, that's not how it works. You know, Christianity transforms us. Uh, and we are to be reformed by it. We don't reform Christianity, okay? So Paul wanted to avoid this. And he didn't want to perform uh, public baptisms for this very reason in that region. So it's not like he was anti-baptism. He had to be cautious because this thing continued to escalate. And so he's saying, look, you guys are making baptism such a big deal about me baptizing or somebody else. And the reality is I didn't baptize a lot of people. And for good reason, because of the way that you guys look at us as patrons. Uh, and there could be an idol worship there. Not that, again, that baptisms are unimportant uh, to Paul. He's just pointing out something significant. Now, Crispus is probably the man, if you go back to Acts 18 verse 8 who led the Corinthian synagogue and you know we know Sosthenes and then Gaius we're told in Romans 16 23 he hosted Paul and Stephanus was uh, one of the very first converts in Achaia so so th this th they have tremendous 
um, reputation in the life of Paul's ministry and likewise, right? I mean, it's reciprocated between them. He was very fond of these people. And so he not, not only remembered that he baptized them, but he mentions them um, to make his case. And the thing that's also important is that baptism carried a sign of conversion for Gentiles who submitted to Judaism. So another thing that Paul was being very cautious about is that he didn't want the act of baptism to take away from the true conversion that happens when a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ. So I love this about Paul. We can dismiss this or overlook this, but I think it's of great importance. So he was being careful about the baptism thing because of the patrons and how they looked at individuals and this division that was happening because of it with these party affiliations. But also he was cautious because how baptism was happening uh, of people converting to Judaism and didn't want people to get the wrong idea. And then he ends this one part. He says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom. Again, the Greco-Roman world prided themselves on their knowledge and their rigorous debate. Not to say those things are wrong, but we're not to lose sight of love. We'll see that in 1 Corinthians 13. If you do all these things yet not have love, it's pointless. So Paul's telling the Corinthians, look, when I deliver the gospel, I'm not doing it to impress you. I don't, and you know what? And that's just so sad when I see this passage of scripture and I think about these celebrity pastors today. I just saw this clip from a pastor who, who says, you know, we don't, we don't support uh, strippers. The only stripper we support is Jesus who got buck naked. Forgive me for the language, but this is what he said. On the stage and people are cheering and calling Jesus a stripper. That, my friends, is derogatory. It's shameful. They are trying to impress. They're trying to get claps. They're trying to be relevant and Paul's saying, it's not a, I, you don't talk like that to impress the audience. He came in humility. He came in obedience to share the power of the cross. We need to have reverence for that. So in the closing, my friends, when it comes to divisions in your life, again, worship and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Agree with those around you. And if you can't, then don't be around them. Love them. Don't gossip. Don't revile. Don't hate. Um, but we have to be like-minded. And there are people in the Christian community that are going to be of Apollos, Peter, Paul, whatever. And you're like, I'm not, I'm not about that. You know, the, the, whether it's a denominational thing, whether it's like, well, I'm a Calvinist and he's an Arminius or whatever. It's like, I don't fall for those things. I have friends on both sides, even colleague friends of mine that I love and care for. Now we, many of them, I have rigorous debates over different issues but we don't divide over it. We don't have discord. Okay. Some, some of my buddies could be a little heated, a little spirited, and that's fine. Um, but we don't divide and show hatred and turn against one another. And so what's important here is that we be like-minded, that we be one of accord and that we don't affiliate with these party affiliations. We don't have like these patrons. We don't elevate people in a certain class. And I think a lot of people are drawn to certain personalities out there uh, and feel special, feel a part of a movement, like God's moving through them because they're looking to a figure who's a celebrity pastor person who they think God is using in a mighty way. In fact, that probably is not the case for a lot of these people. I'm not saying all of them, but there are a lot out there who are false teachers. And Jesus said, my friends, 
that there will be divisions. There, there will be false teachers that will try to lead people astray, even the elect. So we have to be cautious and we have to be careful. So I pray this has been a blessing to you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, keep having those challenging conversations with people in the word of God and do not let divisions take you away from your love and your respect for Christ, his word, and for your fellow man. God bless you guys. 